welcome jeff to this podcast interview uh, i remember you from momentum 2021 because i was working on the back end and you were the one who had most guests attending oh really i didn't know that you still didn't know that no because i didn't know were... that <laughs> i mean crazy Very cool. <laughs> but you were the one i was also a speaker i had maybe i don't know uh, 35 or 40 guests at max and you had maybe more than 100 150 I'm not. Oh wrong. no. Okay. I don't remember the exact figures now. Do, do you remember seeing how many guests you saw at any gate? I didn't. I didn't count. No, I remember. I uh, I was kind of using some slides and stuff, so I had to turn off that part of the screen for a bit. So I I didn't see the numbers, but that's really that's really cool to see right here. Yeah, it 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 was really crazy. And here's the introductory time and how I. Uh, ask my guests to introduce themselves in a way that how would a loved one will introduce you? Ah, oh, a loved one. A loved one would probably introduce me as compassionate, curious, um, ask a lot of questions, <laughs> um, <laughs> just creative, and uh, and kind and and determined. That's on the personal end. How about the professional end? What do you do, like? how would a loved one introduce you in a professional setting yeah so basically professionally most of my roles have been around helping people get better at what they do yeah. and kind of unleash their creativity in some way so some of the past jobs i've done have, have been kind of internal consulting coaching human resources roles where i'm building programs to develop leaders or get help people perform at their best or be stronger teams and yeah lately just you know my my professional focus has been on coaching creative entrepreneurs and leaders and helping them bring their biggest ideas to life so i have a huge passion for creativity in general and just helping people kind of turn their concepts and ideas into realities and uh, what i have seen from my experience is it's, it's kind of an irreversible process like you cannot unsee it one once you have gone in that flow states or deep work yeah yeah it definitely is i i got really kind of hooked on flow that deep kind of flow from my early days as a guitar player playing in different bands and that's how yeah. i i came i came across flow so i think it was in undergrad probably my second year or so and my goal at the time was really how do i become the best guitar player i can be like how do i when i get on stage how do i just get in the zone and just be yeah. my best and play the best music i can and just kind of bring my own style to light and so i got really into different meditation and and all this stuff and i stumbled across flow that book and i was like i read it it kind of seemed like almost like my bible or something just like it just spoke to me like wow this is amazing this is kind of what i'm tapping into like how do i get in how do i do this more how do i bring more of this into my life because that that really is yeah like you said it's such an engaging enriching experience it's just like wow like nothing else matters you you're not you're not thinking about the outcomes you're just thinking about that creative process and what you're doing right then it's it's, it's really pure totally understand so i haven't had the fortune to read a uh, flow book so far but i've heard coach tony mentioning it again and again like so many times mm-hmm. and uh, so 
probably that's a book I would want to read this year. Uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, tell me what uh, let let if we have to talk about that book, what were like what was the one thing that impacted you the most from that book? Yeah, I think that's a good question. I think it was really the philosophy. So kind of the theory and like his philosophy and really is kind of comes down to boils down a few things. So he is a huge proponent in attention and how he always would say how the quality of our attention and how we spend our attention is, you know, it it equates to the quality of our lives, how happy we are, how successful, how engaged, just how we feel. So that was really impactful to me, just that philosophy of just trying to be really deliberate and clear and purposeful with how we spend our attention and what we kind of put in is what we get out. So to be really mindful of that and how we design our time and our focus and just understand the consequences of that. Uh, And then two, like it was really, really resonated with me, his philosophy on okay, a pathway to the good life is this autotelic pathway. And autotelic means you just kind of do it for the sake of doing it. You're not trying to get rich. You're not trying to impress people. You're not trying to, you know, get any of these external outcomes or whatever. You're, you're, You're doing something because you love to do it. And that doing it is rewarding in and of itself. So that I had that experience with guitar and music. And so it really resonated with me and like, yeah, those, those were the best moments like where I'm not thinking about, oh, I hope they like me or, oh, this is going to make me money and this is going to do that. Because when I was just so focused on just kind of expressing my creativity and just being in the zone. Um, and so that, like, that resonated with me. And so really, like, it really made an impact on, okay, how do I bring more of this into other parts of my life? How do I make things more flow, flow-like? You know, maybe not, maybe not everything can be completely yeah. a pure flow experience, but yeah, there's yeah. certain things we can bring in to bring it closer to that. And so, yeah, so that just really made an impact on me and how I think about what I do and why and, and how to help people as well. So uh, how did you bring it in your life? Like, what did you do? Yeah, so there's a few different kind of components of flow. There's a framework that he kind of lays out in the book and I kind of laid out in my talk and momentum and have some slides and things on it. Mm -hmm. But there's a few things. So like one is, one way is to kind of look at what you're doing and enhance the clarity, kind of get clear on Mm -hmm. the goal you're trying (laughs) to achieve. What does that look like? Um, And then how do you know like if you're making progress on it or how do you know if yeah. you're doing a good job? So there's these elements mm-hmm. of clear goals and clear focus, this kind of preconditions of flow. So if you're just kind of all over the place and scattered and you don't have a really clear focus or direction, yeah. you can't, like your, your attention needs that clarity so it can latch onto something and focus in that direction instead of just be diffuse and kind of back and forth all over the place. And to stay there, like it needs to know, like, am I making progress on this or am I getting closer to this or not? Mm-hmm. So like an example for music would be, 
okay, I'm going to play this amazing guitar solo. Okay. <laughs> and then, yeah. so you playing and that's your goal. That's like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. But then like the progress part is like, you can, if you're a trained musician and then you have to have some training, that's kind of a component in whatever you're doing too. But if you're trained, you like, you know, if you play a note, if it's in the key or out of key, you know, if it's a right mm -hmm. or wrong note. So you can tell like, oh yeah, that was a really awesome lick. Oh, that was, that was sweet. That was badass. Okay. Yeah. I'm on fire. I keep going. Like, you know, right. If you're making progress. So it's like a feedback loop. So that keeps yeah. your attention locked, locked in. So that's a, that's a major element that can be applied to almost anything, whether it's super creative or not, or just any kind of task. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like some of the stuff I know you, you talk about meditation and, and emotional intelligence and awareness and regulations. It's kind of along those, like, a, it's kind of like mindfulness, right? Like you have a goal, Yeah. you keep bringing it back. Like you, you have that introspective process where you know, you know, you're a little bit off track so you can bring it back and you, yeah. and, and you can kind of keep doing that. And that's kind of a, a mechanism for that. And then just another one, another pathway is like, how do you make something more fun? Or enjoyable right mm. how do you add that element into what you're doing yeah just because yeah. you're doing serious work or something really important or big or huge like a one way to make it to try to increase the probability of experiencing flow is to try to make it fun or enjoyable yeah. that could yeah. mean adding in some of your favorite music it can mean making like a game with what you're doing so like for example when i was doing my phd program like you have to do a lot of data collection and analysis and cleaning up spreadsheets and all this stuff that's so boring. And it's like, how could you ever, how could you ever do get into flow with make cleaning up as an Excel spreadsheet? So one thing that uh, I found like really enjoying that I kind of turned that into something that I would dread into something that kind of fun and relaxing and flow inducing was put on some like techno music or whatever, something with a good beat. And then just try to make changes to like the rhythm of the song as I was going. So it was like, click, 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 type, click, you know, like to the beat of the song. So it made it fun and made it more challenging, which is another element of flow is like, usually you need to have a certain level of challenge to focus yep. to get in. Flow, yeah. Otherwise you can get into it. Um, so yeah, there's like that, that'd be the third thing I would, I would, suggest is to really look at the challenge level because like a lot of the flow research it came from extreme sports it's extreme mm -hmm. athletes and people surfing huge waves and climbing mountains and all this stuff and so like if you're climbing a cliff that's the huge challenge like your attention the level of that challenge is so high that your attention has to lock onto it like you can't be thinking about Oh, does do my clothes match, or did I forget to change the laundry? Right, you can't think about any of that stuff. Like you, it's, the challenge is so high, your attention is just locked in, and that keeps you in that flow state. So a lot of times, like people at work or whatever what they're doing, it could be too boring or too easy, and so you can make mm. it, like make things a game in some way, or you can make things yeah. more complex. Um, so that's yeah, that's another kind of pathway that people could experiment with. Okay, and I, I want to ask a personal question and Toshi because I hope it doesn't touch a painful nerve. So, <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> you mentioned you wanted to be a really really great guitarist you know what happened yeah. are you still yeah. playing yeah i still play i still play and that's uh yeah i mean that is a subject that's uh is in the sense kind of why i'm passionate about creativity and helping people with their creative goals so back in the day yeah i mean i've, I've been playing guitar probably 25 years um i was super into it it was in ton of bands around my undergrad time I was in one band in particular where we were we were really good like the bass player was really great he was a singer awesome singer awesome lyricist the drummer was amazing i was really good at guitar and we just had a really original chemistry and sound of original songs that we were creating and yeah we we wanted to go for it and make it and and we that was kind of our goal But then like it didn't work out like it just the singer and I had different vision for what we wanted to do and where we wanted to kind of be located and then just life happens you get caught up um yeah. I played, played in other bands I'll, and, I'll tell uh, you why I asked this question yeah. it, it was obviously not to you know touch upon anything uh yeah. but because what i have seen again i haven't had a really big career i've been writing online for the last 6 7 years which is you know like nothing in front of the people who have been in the game for decades right so but in my small journey of 6 7 years i have seen even when you are passionate about something how it evolves over the time yeah and it mm. doesn't have to fit like a conventional in a conventional box like yeah. for example i haven't written any novel and i have published i guess three or four books and all of them are 3000 words each yeah so i'm nowhere close to doing anything conventional so i wanted to know your part because uh yeah. what i saw what you mentioned was that uh, you entered this creativity field or you know uh, let me put in better words you started thinking about creativity because of your guitar and now you are eventually evolving into you know helping others with their yeah. creativity and stuff like that mm-hmm. talk to me about that evolvement or shift yeah and that's a great word yeah evolve is is the perfect word and it's just cuz yeah like what i yeah i mean there's things outside our control in life and, you know a lot of things are in our in our control but there's a lot that we we can't control so like yeah we need to evolve and that's kind of exactly what i uh, kind of my focus was like my original plans to be a huge rock star in a rock band didn't work out so i had to evolve and so then i started making my own beats and producing my own stuff and learning how to do that and then I would put out my own albums and then the my passions kind of evolved or, or kind of you expanded. You have your own album on Spotify right now. Yeah, yeah. And so like I right remember, now it, it yeah, kind of came yeah, yeah. full circle like right now like the past two and a half years I'm making all these weird crazy songs for toddlers and kids based on kind of inspired yeah. by my my son. I remember <laughs> so watching the watching yeah. the instagram story we will talk yeah. about the monetization <laughs> later but yeah. let's 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 not divert from the topic so tell me about yeah. that shift yeah so like yeah just i kind of like reflected and said okay what's important and really like the essence of it was creativity right creating and helping others people create so i evolved how i created music and how i created in my life like i became a started doing workshops and programs and creating these things and then mm-hmm. kind of to help other people be more creative and kind of unlock their strengths and and what not so i really kind of just 
dialed it in and found the essence of what really drove me. And that was around creativity and helping others. Yeah. And so that's how I've continued to evolve. And then, but yeah, when my son was born, like kind of came full circle, like I'm back playing a ton of guitar and making a lot of music. And yeah, I have just like some crazy original kids music out there that I'm doing and, and I, I'm committed to it. Like I'm going to make at least one kind of album each year until he's old enough to tell me Hey, Dad, stop doing that. <laughs> so, so, yeah, do, do, you ever, do you ever think that, you know, like your kids will grow up like 18 years old and 40 years old and then they, they'll judge you like, Dad, what were you doing at that time? <laughs> what were you doing yeah. in lockdown? <laughs> yeah, no, it'd be fun. I mean, yeah, my son, he, he kind of helps me ride him and just we joke around and we're just coming from like our real experiences and his experiences it's not like your typical rinky dinky kid song stuff so I think I'll get a kick out of this it's kind of in a way it's like also documenting like his development and what's happening in his life so it's going to be really fun to look back on and so here's a a funny (laughs) thought that's coming to my mind is when you're documenting yourself you should also document your kids so when they you know when they embarrass you in front of others you can embarrass them in front of others as well yeah exactly <laughs> exactly so that's a good plan uh, talk to me about the spotify monetization part because i have a good friend who is uh, again looking to be a you know what term can i use who is looking out to be become a good music, musician maybe a singer and she knows guitar yeah. Uh, how does Spotify pay? Oh, well, not very much <laughs> at all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so you gotta, yeah. I mean, I'm not, I don't have like a huge, huge following yet. And, but um, yeah, I mean, my stuff's out on Spotify, but yeah, I know it's like, it's very, very small. Like even if you have like millions of streams, like you're not making much. Mm. so i mean i think there's there's a lot of music groups and, and kind of creative groups fighting to change that right now and and kind of lobby for new laws and 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 regulations and, and protections for creators mm-hmm. to give songwriters and, and the creators more money that they deserve um yeah. but um yeah it's not, right now it's not very much so uh, another point that's coming to my mind i kind of flipped totally anyway so uh, let's talk about this uh, music industry a little bit more and tell sure. me if I don't come from a music industry, I, I'm not even a song person. I don't really, you know, like there are so many people I see who listens to music all day long and I'm not that yeah. person I know. Uh, so I wanted to know this one thing. So uh, there are physical uh, complications too when you become when you try becoming a world class athlete at the age of let's say 25. Is, is there mm. something like that to music industry as well? I, I think it's for sure something related to singing. But sure. you you tell me. Yeah, I think I think yeah, I think it could depend on. I think it depends. Like so, mm-hmm. I think it's if someone like if someone enters. And kind of blows up when they're 18 in the music mm. industry they like the longevity may not be super high just because mm-hmm. people people like i guess in the music industry like the bigger you get the more successful you get the more 
kind of labels and other things yeah. kind of get get on board with you and then kind of also dictate kind of the direction and what you do mm. and the type of music you're doing and, and creating and putting out there. So a lot of times like you'll see people come on board or come on and kind of blow up and their first album or two, they're really raw, they're really creative. They're really, you know, they, you can feel the authenticity there. And then over time, maybe it drops mm. out a bit, not as resonating with you for some reason. But from a, from a physical standpoint, yeah, I think the voice is the hardest thing, especially people yeah. that sing really, really hard. Like you can really wear and tear that from a guitar or drums mm. perspective. I don't, you don't really get into too much trouble if you're taking care of yourself and like you could get carpal tunnel syndrome and stuff from playing, but if you're taking care of yourself, carpal tunnel syndrome, so it's like basically you can get it from a lot of computer work or a lot of drumming. It's like kind of like your wrists and hands where you're just the speed of your movement is limited and slows down. So yeah, I mean, you can, you can get that wear and tear, but I guess back to your kind of question, like I think keyword is like evolving too as well. Like if you're continuously evolving and kind of reinventing yourself and innovating, like you see people stick around for a while, but some people, they, they come on hot and then they kind of lose that originality and then they may fade away. But there's a lot of factors in the music industry that yeah. keep people successful or not. Some of them are in people's control. Some of them aren't. But um, yeah, I don't know. If, I think maybe I went on a completely different tangent than what you were no, looking for. <laughs> that, that totally answered. Uh, so uh, one thing I you touched on a really good point I wanted to definitely talk about this part. Uh, you have done your PhD, right? And I'm really interested in knowing how academics impact your way of creativity. So I'm only an undergraduate. I haven't had the chance to study more or there were financial issues and all that stuff. Uh, and even otherwise, even if I had the chance, I'd probably not gone for it because I'm yeah. mostly a self-educator kind of person. I love learning online mm -hmm. and all that. Uh, but the way you mentioned, you know, how music labels would uh, interfere with the creativity of a authenticity of a person. Uh, how does academics impact somebody's mindset or let's say somebody's creativity? Yeah, for me, like the biggest things I learned were, so for my PhD program, it was less, like I, I never set out to be just a pure professor, pure academic researcher. I always kind of viewed myself as- Your PhD was in? Like, yeah, I got my PhD in positive organizational psychology. So yeah, it was a really awesome program and the author flow of Mike Csikszentmihalyi was, he created it back in the day. And, and so it was really resonant with me and really meaningful. And I knew it was something I had to be in and pursue. So like to me, like the benefits of the PhD program were like when you, when you're in the PhD stuff, it's less about learn, like people teaching you and more about bringing your own ideas out and your own original ideas and ideas that are going to contribute to the field and, and kind of shore up gaps and, and things like that. So it, to me, like it, it, the benefits were like one was just like really sharpening my thinking and like what the contribution means, like what what is something that's unique to con contribute to the field you're in, and like uh -huh. how do you how do you present that, 
and articulate that and defend it. Um, but then just like from a creative work standpoint, a project standpoint, that, that dissertation is crazy. It's a crazy project. Like you have to deal with advisors, you have to come up with the idea that's right and backed. And, and so like you really develop a lot of grit and perseverance. You mm. learn how to kind of navigate uncertainty and complexity and politics and, and, and that. And, and a lot of times, like when you're on that path, you think you're doing a great job and you're doing it and you get some feedback and then it's like, oh no, you have to just throw it all over, throw it all out and start over. And so yeah, you develop a lot of resilience and, and it's just a really good kind of container for like what a lot of creative projects are when you're trying to do something big and undefined and there's some element of mm. getting accepted in the social domain and getting feedback from others. Like it's just, it's just a pretty intense process where you learn a lot about yourself and you learn about a lot about how to structure your habits, manage your time and mm. make things more flow inducing and, and just kind of get it, get it done. Right. Cause a lot of, yeah, a lot of, a lot of creatives and I'd, even before like my PhD and stuff, like it really, I, I fell in this camp too, like where I would have a lot of ideas and I would be like, oh, that's great. That's cool. That no one's doing that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Man, I'm so smart. I'm so creative. Cool. And then you would, wouldn't really do any of them, right? Like you would never really finish a lot of them, right? And so you're just yeah. always coming up with ideas that are really cool, but you're not fully kind of implementing them. And so like, I fell, I fell in that camp too, but like this PhD program, it really did help transform me into kind of getting these habits and systems down saying, okay, you know, here's the creative process for the year. Only the first part's really kind of fun. And, you know, like that's yeah. where we all like to stay in just coming up with ideas. But then there's that middle and end part that how do you, how do you get past there? How do you bring your ideas to the finish line? And so, yeah, that was kind of the main benefit for me was really just kind of my own self-development and kind of developing these habits and systems and, and techniques to kind of help people bring their big projects over the finish line. Yeah. So uh, I'm curious to know, have, uh, by the way, first of all, have you had any uh, coaching clients who have done their PhDs also? Yeah. Yeah. A few of my clients, they're in PhD programs. Because, Not in the same you know, field. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you'll be able to answer this in a better way. What have you seen like common patterns between somebody who has done PhD versus somebody who hasn't done PhD? Yeah, um, let's see. That's a good question. So I think, hmm. well, the people that I feel, okay, so a couple of things. So some, some clients I've had that are doing a PhD, they kind of, fell into doing that like they just were like mm. okay i finished undergrad now i guess i'll go to get my master's okay i guess i'll get my phd next yep. and so there was just kind of like going through school mm -hmm. and doing that just I like i guess i'll do this and those people a lot of times they're not as happy they're they're just kind of like man i really wish i wasn't in this this sucks um you know, what was I thinking? Like I should have taken some time to kind of do some other things. Um, but then yeah. there's people too that they'll come back to it and say like, hey, this is an area I'm really passionate about or curious about. I think I have something to say in this field. And then they get back into it. And then mm -hmm. those people they have a much different experience. So I think 
like there's not really like like people can self self-educate just as fine they can learn just just as much on their own as through like a master's yeah. program program if they had that commitment and they had that passion um yeah. i think like if the passion and that commitment and curiosity is there a phd program can really accelerate that and and kind of deepen mm. that because you're around peers like-minded peers you have yeah. mentor kind of coaches as your advisors kind of helping you sharpen your thinking so i think it really depends on like why you're doing it and what you're interested in but you can get that too like without a PhD program, you can hire a coach, you can do programs, you can get mentors, you can get yeah. a master. So it's less but about- I, I could be wrong, I could be wrong, but I have this uh, idea or thought that maybe, because when you're in PhD, you're accountable, you have to do certain things, certain way. Yeah. Doing, you know, doing things certain way, I feel actually changes you. And that's why we see, uh, if you want to practice spirituality, and if you like, start following any religion it makes practicing spirituality a little easier mm. so they give you a set right. of tools like yeah do this like feel gratitude uh, surrender and don't have negative thoughts and stuff like that was i'm not sure i don't have any degree in religious studies i haven't studied really but this is an assumption that most of the yeah. religions that i've studied i don't know like a few of them or the summaries of a few of them and most of them talk about this very thing that, you know, like practice yeah. gratitude or uh, feel grateful and then surrender what you cannot control and all, all the stuff. So I don't know. I just uh, yeah. have that one thought that maybe doing certain things, certain way uh, would change or rewire your brain. I don't know for better or worse. Oh, yeah. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I mean, there's like one notion like, yeah, you, you, in order to be kind of a true innovator or creator, or like you need to learn the rules or like you need to kind of master a set of rules or principles and, and yeah, like religion or academic program or any kind of program maybe, or any kind of training thing or apprenticeship perhaps. Like you, yeah. yeah, you kind of, you learn those, you internalize them, you understand the logic behind them and you practice mm -hmm. them, you see how they impact you and then yeah, like over time, you kind of evolve and kind of bring out your own practice, if perhaps. Yeah. So, yeah, so, no, I agree. What, what have you seen in your clients? Because so far, I haven't had uh, you know, any clients who have done their PSG or anything. So I don't know the difference between that. Uh, but yeah. what, what are the, you know, like, again, I totally understand this. There are so many factors involved, so many yeah. different, you know, it's a multivariable equation. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, have you seen any patterns in people who have done their PhDs versus people who are not into this academic as much? Uh, I think... Hmm. Is there any way like the way they... So one thing I understand from what we discussed is uh, they, they as in the people from PhDs, they have developed perseverance and yeah. mm -hmm. so that might be one thing yeah i think i think that's that's part of it is yeah if you're doing a phd like you have a very clear set of goals and targets like a big mm -hmm. targets and big creative projects that you're you're working on that you have to get done um whereas if you're not in that 
you you could still have that, but you may have more options, right? Or yeah. you may have more time <laughs> to explore. Like I could do this, 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 or this, versus someone in a PhD program is like, I don't have time for anything except this, <laughs> but I still need some help getting it done. So I think that, and then, but yeah, I mean, I, I think if if people that like I haven't had too many clients that are PhDs or in grad school, just a lot okay. of. So I don't have a huge sample size to compare, but yeah, that would be so, something that might stand out. So I actually relate to whatever you mentioned. So I graduated as a biotechnologist, but then I uh, went into marketing because that really interest, that was an interesting field. Plus it was paying immediately. So yeah. uh, uh, I have had like five, five and a half years of work experience in digital marketing, both freelance and, you know, working a full-time job. But uh, here's a surprising fact. I never had a single certification in it. Yeah. I, I've done a lot of courses. I've done like a lot of courses in digital marketing, like particular SEO, copywriting and all that kind of stuff, email marketing. Mm -hmm. But whenever the course was going boring, I'd just skip it. <laughs> I'd go yeah. to something better. <laughs> yeah. So I totally understand what you mean by that. Interesting, interesting topic. I want <laughs> to have more opinions on this one. It's, it's yeah, something yeah. to be curious about. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And yeah, I mean, like I said, like I think a lot of it, like if you're curious and committed and passionate, like you can go all in on a topic or a field, mm -hmm. do your your own really good research and talk to mentors and advisors and peers and and kind of be your own researcher it doesn't necessarily have yeah. to be in that phd program like you could it really just like yeah it just kind of depends on the person i've seen people with phds that really wish they never did that and they're just kind of went along with the motions and then now they're like what do i do now like i just spent all my time doing this stuff i hated it now i don't even want yeah. to do it anymore and so like it's 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 tricky like it's it's yeah it's just it's, it's a tricky topic <laughs> uh, are you a, are you a spiritual or religious person yeah i'm more spiritual more spiritual okay so how i define spirituality or religion is so spirituality is this big whole set of you know practices or whatever reconnecting with yourself universe higher power whatever you can call it and religions are basically certain sets of rules that help you practice you know uh, yeah. those, uh, spirituality uh, what are your views in terms of I, I just wanted to make that uh, foundation clear so you know like we are on the same yeah. term. we have the same definitions for this uh, yeah. two terms uh, how have you seen your spirituality impacting your creativity mm, that's a good question that's a really good question hmm. can I share yeah. one instant maybe like oh yeah please uh, yeah Till then, you can think more about this. <laughs> so, yeah, thank um, you. <laughs> I went through a really difficult phase. I had depression and anxiety attacks in 2016, and so I became really, I don't know, agnostic and atheist kind of person. I used to be a mm. religious person before that, but then I discovered that this is not who is me. Like, uh, this is all my parents and you know people around me telling me you do this. So. I became really hopeless and for one, one and a half years, I don't know, I went like that only. I 
made fun of all the religions and all that kind of stuff because you know you had so much anger and you have to express yeah. it somewhere mm-hmm. uh, nonetheless uh, there was one ted talk i'm not sure if i have talked about this on interviews so far or not but i've definitely written mm. about it somewhere so just one ted talk changed my whole belief system about this oh wow so i wrote a book like again it was my first book only to 3000 words uh, like an e book and i was editing it and then i read i heard that uh, listen to that ted talk by elizabeth gilbert you know her from big yeah. magic mhm so her ted talk is uh, about you know uh, so she makes that logic that yeah. uh, when you think that there is somebody else or some thing bigger than you and you mm. surrender to it that, that this is the reason why i am doing what i am doing it's going to help you help your creativity become more healthy mm yeah because mm. if something good happens it's because that person did it i didn't do anything <laughs> so <laughs> i cannot let my ego drown me right at the same time if i did something stupid or not stupid but if i created something and didn't rank well i was yeah. not at fault it's it's his fault so i'm not mm. at fault so I, i don't have to self doubt it's just that i'm <laughs> here i'm typing it out Yeah. Uh, that sounded really good to my logical brain so i picked it up and eventually i started discovering spirituality and uh, currently where i am is i'm i believe there is like 51 49 collaboration like i'm 49 and i'm co-creating whatever i'm doing including the oh, cool. interviews and yeah. all that stuff uh, but that one experience totally changed my you know creativity and spiritual like combination very cool What's been your experience? Yeah, so I think it's evolved a bit. Well, uh, it's kind of interesting because so that band that we I was mentioning earlier, like our our name was called the Spirits of Music because it was. Ooh, <laughs> I like because, that. <laughs> yeah, the drummer, our drummer, he came up with it because that's kind of what it that felt like. Good. Like we would get together, we would jam. we'd be jamming for like 2 or 3 hours just and then we'd kind of at the end of it we'd be like what the hell just happened like how do we do that like where did you get that idea to play that or that or that and we'd all just be like i have no idea where that came from i never played that in my life before yeah. like never even i didn't never thought about doing that before until today like it was just kind of like it really did feel like as if we were same being same thing it was just like pouring out So, yeah i i'd write i'd write things you know like i'm i started writing and i'll write things and i i'll you know like think about where is this, this coming from like i've written these three sentences i didn't know i feel this way or you know it yeah. happened totally relate to it yeah and so yeah so that was one thing like yeah i really had just kind of that experience and kind of like a spiritual and flow experience like getting into that state or channel like you're in control but it's also mm. you're not Out really of- like trying to be you're not really like trying to control too much but you're in control do, so, do yeah, you feel I mean, it's like the 14 and 51 thing only that you are in control but at the same time there's like a little bit out of control thing as well i think so i mean i really like how you phrase that i never thought about it like that i think that's a really cool way to 
think about it like a 5149 collaboration. Uh, I, I like that a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, like when you, yeah, when you kind of tap into it and you get in that flow and that, like it does feel spiritual and it is like you surprise yourself, right? Like you, you go into something thinking yeah. what I'm going to do, this is what it's going to be like, but really you also have to let go and just let whatever is there come about too. If you, and like when you have that, it's kind of like a paradox when you have that combination, like that's when the best things happen, right? Like you're not too controlling, but you're not too just scattered either, but it's just, you yeah. have a direction, you have a focus, but then things are arising. And yeah, I mean, so like that notion, like kind of that element of spirituality is, I think it's big in for creativity and creative work. Like you have to be open to discovering things along the way that may be coming through you, through, you know, your subconscious or through the universe or whatever you want to think of it as, but there's something that's not as like rational or, or cognitive that's that's doing that and then just um sorry i just lost my train of thought but then yeah just like i think that's a key element yeah so that's really affected me and even in just like coaching clients and conversations and things like you show up and you're open and like you know you know you don't show up and say do this you're gonna do this here's what you do. it's like yeah yeah around that has it ever happened to you like in your coaching conversation you said something that you never thought like you never even thought about it before saying it oh yeah all the time all the time yeah yeah and that's and that's yeah i mean all the time like in like like yeah it's just awesome it's the best experience like creating is especially and that's kind of why like i think i gravitate towards coaching a lot too is like it is it's kind of like a jam session like, like yeah musicians like whenever we go to a jam session like you you're practicing on your own you're coming up with stuff on your own you're creating cool things on your own but, and then so is the other person or other people but then when you get together you're like new stuff happens like unexpected mm -hmm. stuff like you hear someone do something and you're like oh that's cool let me do this and then it's just kind of like a co-creative process and it's things things just are more magical and more creative than anyone could have imagined and that's kind of like coaching experience too like the person says hey i want to work on this you know yeah. this is what i want to focus on and then i'm thinking okay how do i help this person do this let me do some research a little bit let me think of some things that help this this person but then when we get in conversation then a lot of times it's like oh actually we really need this is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh wow! Like, I never even thought about that. Like the way the person said that made me think of it differently, and then then I'm saying something I never thought of before, and vice versa. And, and so this, yeah, there is that kind of magical, kind of co-creative process when you show up prepared, but also open to just kind of allowing things to co-create on their own. Yeah. Have you been uh, following any spiritual teachers? principles or teachings um i'm less i'm more kind of self-directed lately um and I, I feel that that's the thing about spirituality like most of the people in spirituality are actually self-directed but at the same time you know maybe yeah. at different stages they listen to different uh, teachers yeah yeah and that's definitely true for me and um yeah like my main 
like one of the people that really resonated with me, um, like actually went on this like five week meditation retreat in Thailand about mm. 10, 10 years, wait, yeah, about 10 years ago now. Um, and it was put on by this guy named Alan Wallace, who was a translator for the Dalai Lama and, and he does, and he was a monk and he came back and got his PhD in like astrophysics and He's just some crazy like meditation teacher thinker guy, but his teachings really kind of resonated with me because they brought in a lot of east and east and west and just things were very practical, but also kind of holistic and integrated. And like one of the concepts that he talked a lot about was this concept of genuine happiness. And that really resonated with me. So that like genuine happiness, kind of the way he described it in the way his teachers described it to him was all about, okay, it's not about thinking, what can I get? What do I need to be happy? What do I need to do to be happy? But what can I create or what can I bring out into the world? Like to kind of bring, to make other people happy. And like that, when you do that, like that is the way for genuine happiness that's a more sustainable kind of focus rather than just kind of that selfish was was it a uh, buddhist monk oh yeah. yeah he was with dalai lama yeah Sorry. yeah yeah so that that really resonated with me and then like that mindset shift like that really can be very helpful for creatives too it's like it's not about me i'm just trying to create something that mm. could help somebody out there maybe someone's going to enjoy it yeah. even if it's just one person that likes my song or likes my article, or even if I can help just one person, like that's a noble pursuit. And and that's kind of, that That was one thing that resonated with me is just is, kind of that. Is, yeah, is that the reason why you do everything that you're doing at the moment? Like, uh, I, think, I think so. I mean, to me, like I, I kind of define my purpose as one is like helping other people bring their biggest ideas to life. And so that's kind of like this pathway of meaning and genuine happiness and like what impact can I have on others? How can I help people? How can I inspire someone or teach someone or encourage someone or get help yeah. someone get unstuck? So that's one element, but also too, like there is part of me that like, I just, I want to create too. Like I want to be engaged in creating mm. what, I, what I want to create. And that's why I've kind of also committed to creating these songs for my kid like it's really like I'm exercising my creativity I'm developing my creative skills I'm doing something like I'm making those kind of from an autotelic sense of this is something I want to make is this something cool I think I can do and that's unique and original and like I'm not making it because people are asking me to make it um so yeah I mean I'm like what drives me is really yeah how do I help other people create and bring their ideas to life and then just myself like how do I engage in that creative process and, and do things that are kind of intrinsically engaging as well so it's kind of like a dual yeah. thing for me. creativity sounds like some of like one of your top most values right yeah mm-hmm. so one of my top most values is curiosity I'm, I'm in general really yeah. curious about different yeah things. so uh, I really feel or what what the pattern I have seen so far is I'm curious about things, I learn it, I'll do it, and then I want to share it. I don't know yeah. why, where is it coming from? I love sharing. I want yeah. to, you know, like tell you that, you know what, if you do this, this happens. If you, if you like hit the wall, it's nothing going to happen. You know, like 
Obviously, this is such a boring thing to tell, but <laughs> you know, trying out new things like the interview sessions, and it just me yeah. learning and being curious. Like, tell me what you learn. Tell me how you know the music industry yeah. is. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I. Anyway, so. Uh, yeah. Coming, Love coming it. back to that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, curiosity is so important. I mean, yeah, I would say that's a key element of creativity. And yeah, I would say creativity is probably one of your direct and yeah. indirect values as well. Like that curiosity fuels creativity. Part of creativity is kind yeah. of you're creating things, you're sharing things, yeah. you're putting things out there. And yeah, you're trying to help people and you're trying to develop your own skills and, and do new things that excite you as well. And so, yeah. It's Funny really, enough. Funny enough, I mentioned this today uh, to uh, to a close friend, and so she want she started uh, she has started writing, and like really recently, and I was sharing with her that eventually when you do it again and again and again, uh, what I have been through in the last six seven years of writing continuously, now I cannot not write. Like, mm-hmm. If there is something I need to you know like let it out. And then again, my uh, my preference of writing is sharing online. So yeah, that's how I basically write. I'm not really mm-hmm. comfortable in a journal, but I'm really comfortable. For some reason, I'm really comfortable in <laughs> writing online. Uh, yeah. But that, that that that's you know like me that I have to write. Like it, yeah, there's no cool. chance that I will not write. Like if there is yeah. something that's on my mind, I'll be sleepless. I'll I'll not do you know like I I don't know how to breathe if I don't write, so that that's just like a compulsion thing that I actually have to let it out of me. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen that with music? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean it is like, yeah. I think people they need some kind of authentic outlet to express themselves, right? Some people. You know the, the intensity or the frequency of that it can be different or the medium, but oh, yeah, some yeah. people like they write. They need to write, and that's like therapy or therapeutic. It's how they process their thinking. It's how they develop their ideas, and, and like it's just part of what they need to do to kind of be feel engaged and fulfilled with what they're doing, right? It's just that intrinsic motivation yeah. for music. Yeah, it's the same way for me. It's like I if I go too long without playing guitar or doing some kind of something musical like yeah I get antsy I get agitated I feel crankier or, you know I don't feel as happy but like once I get into creating and playing expressing myself musically like it feels great right like in the same way for anyone like certain things that are meaningful to them and purposeful to them and some people could be cooking some people could be exercise some people could be knitting yeah. or drawing or whatever, making films. Um, like it's yeah, it's just like this internal thing that, that yeah, yeah. This, I mean it's kind of a common thing I see in a lot of my clients. Like there's some big idea, there's something in them mm. that they're not they're not getting out to the extent that they know they can or that they want to. And there's so we gotta we peel back the layers of the resist of resistance around there and build better habits and systems so like 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 you like you've kind of it seems like you've got into that good system or flow or habit or routine where yeah it's easier yeah, totally. to stay consistent like you it's hard maybe harder for you to stop than to keep going at this yeah. point 
but perhaps like when you were first starting, it's a complete opposite. And so it's, it's nice. It's nice to see that, um, like you can get there, like, but when you start something, like when you started, it's probably a much different story. It's probably painful. And you probably like, this sucks. I suck. Like, I don't want to do this. Let me just do that. Or let me do this other thing. But then once you get in that groove, you start to enjoy it more and you start looking for new things to pursue, especially, you know, you tap into your values and you leverage your values and, and in a way that keeps it sustainable. But yeah, like right now, like. I, I, I totally feel what you're saying because I've started recently started making videos. So I'm totally okay doing this conversation. So it's, you know, me, you know, like putting in reps of doing video on camera because I had a camera for years. Uh, I'm yeah. totally okay having conversation one at a time. Yeah. But I'm not a really great speaker at this moment when I talk alone on camera. I mumble, I, you know, like uh, the normal things that uh, people <laughs> do. So I hate every minute of it, but I know, you know what, this is something I want to do. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah, that's good, right? Like, yeah, I mean, you're kind of committed to it. You know, there's something there that energizes you that you're curious about, you want to get better at. And so, like, that's a lovely kind of commitment, even though you're not where you're want to be yet yeah, like you know yeah. there's potential there and it's for your learning and development and growth and the impact you can make on others so yeah have you're you, gonna uh, have you heard of james Altucher? yeah right so uh, have you read his recent book skip the line no i haven't read that one it's an amazing i have like i'm halfway oh, nice. through it so one thing he mentioned is you know like everything that you think of every profession or every job is made up of really small, like micro skills. So if you think you want to be a coach, there are multiple micro skills like sales, marketing, enrollment, coaching, right? Likewise, uh, I think for me being, uh, I I don't know if I want to say this because if I say it, I'll be committing to it. I I want to try being a comedian. Maybe oh, one yeah. or two years in future. Yeah. So one of the micro skills to that is public speaking. One of the micro yeah. skills to public speaking is being good at camera. Or whatever basically I'm trying to do, YouTubing and all that stuff. Yeah. That's what that's the approach that I'm taking, you know, like really one micro skill at a time. What have you seen like uh, in your whatever you're doing at the moment? What are the micro skills that you're basically trying to get better in? In the time. Yeah, yeah, similar to you. Like I, and a few things. So one is just kind of social media in general, right? Like I used oh, to. Oh yeah, I see your Instagram post. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I used to, I used to hate it. I used to hate social media. Like I absolutely <laughs> hated it. But then it's like, okay, you know, this is this is a skill I need to develop. Like, you know, as I'm growing my coaching and my career and. If I'm going to be doing anything entrepreneurial, I have to promote myself and put myself out there. Mm. And so, yeah, so that's something I've been kind of deliberately developing. Most coaches uh, hate social media. Yeah, it's true. Like there's, there's a thing, like it's, it is kind of a common thing. Like a lot of creative, a lot of, I've seen this in my clients as well. Like yeah. a lot of creatives, a lot of people in kind of compassion-based or helping-based profession. Mm they do have a lot of aversion towards the marketing, marketing. selling. Like they want to just help people, right? And they're really good at delivery and conversations and empathy and 
creating programs or creating yeah. art, but they have like there's that aversion there. And so, but it's it's yeah. and that something you need to do, right? It is a micro skill. Like if you want to do this professionally or as a career or to even just to expand what your impact, like you have to do that, these do these things, right? So that's one thing is just social media, just getting out there, just trying to be more consistent with that, just doing that more. Um, and you know, like it's, it's been interesting, like it's something I don't have an aversion to anymore, try to make it fun, try to make it more of like a creative frame of it. Like, what can I create? Like, what can I experiment with? What can I try? Like, what's something new I can try then to see how it works? So like, what kind of experiments can I run? So I'm trying to apply some of that flow stuff to that and it's like, how can I make it more fun or more challenging or more focused or or just less be less self-conscious about it? So that's one. Mm. And then two is like similar to you, like I'm trying to do more on-camera stuff lately, working on some video course things and in public speaking stuff. And so yeah, I'm trying to do a little more on-camera things and get more comfortable with that as well. Um, back in the day, like I was in Toastmasters. And really loved it. So I know it's something that I can have fun in with again and, and mm -hmm. really love and get good at again. But yeah, it's just kind of a skill building thing. I think that's a really good way to approach things, especially if things feel painful. It's like if you can reframe it to mm -hmm. how do you build your skills and focus on the skill building, you can make your career more meaningful. You can make it more fun, like a game. You can take the focus off your crappy boss or crappy yeah. company that you work for and just focus on how do I develop my sales skills or my presentation skills or my writing so, skills. So even, in a, even in a job, I know this was a micro skill I definitely was bad at is presenting the work. Yeah, I didn't know how to do it. My presentations were not good. So now I look back and I see, you know, that was just a micro skill that I could have improved. Yeah. But now I'm self-employed, so I don't need that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> that's a different story. But uh, as you mentioned, you know, like really looking at the micro skills part. Uh, here's, here's an interesting uh, topic I wanted to ask you about because you definitely are a parent. Are you married? Yep. Yeah. Uh, how long has it been? Uh, about, f about four and a half years. Mm, so half a decade of experience in yeah. <laughs> being married. <laughs> uh, so... Answer me this, how does your creativity or being a creative person impact your dating life? Um, let's see. Like, do you feel a person who is, again, I feel up to a certain extent, uh, everybody's creative and we'll talk about this a little yeah. later than this topic. Uh, but there are certain people who are more creative than others or who, are, who like to express their creativity way more than others. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Creativity is one of the top most values you know, than most people. Like for me, sure. I don't know how to live without writing. I, I don't know how to live without expressing or creating something. So that's a yeah. really big part of who I am. So somebody <clears throat> who is really into creativity, uh, do you like feel it gets a little awkward, mm -hmm. weird or tough to be with someone who is not as creative? Um, yes and no. So... Uh, let me go back before I was married and before I knew my wife. So we've been together almost 10 years. Um, so 
married four and a half years together, almost 10 years, but so I'll go back before that. So yeah, I did have that struggle before that. So it was always, sometimes it kind of felt like a clash between my mm. creativity or pursuing my creative goals and, you know, the relationship, even though in my mind, there was no conflict. It was just, I love this and I love this. Right. And yeah. they go together and it's like, yeah, maybe a little different. Like I do spend a lot of time practicing and creating and, and pursuing these goals, which is different than maybe most people who are just, you know, kind of, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever, you know, I don't want to knock any professions or anything, but most people just kind of following the status quo or doing their thing. And there's nothing wrong with that either. But so yeah, there was conflict there and and there was some misunderstanding. There was some like worry about, hey, you know, like, is this going to be secure or not? Is this like, you know, because it yeah. can be kind of like, inconsistent. It's really crazy. Like, is Jeff out of his mind a bit? You know, <laughs> all sorts of things. <laughs> like, hey, why can't you just, you know, just. So, yeah, I mean, before, like, I think yeah. there, it can be hard, but I think. You, it really just kind of comes down to like so with with my wife now like I never felt like that like she was always supportive she was always curious she was always encouraging uh, it was more like hey that's who you are and I love you for you like I'm not trying to change you like this is who I am I'm not I don't have the same types of goals necessarily but but then like we had a lot of shared values around mm. like authenticity and health and meaning and family and, and purpose and just, you know, the other thing. Yeah. So I mean, I, I think I'm understanding what you're saying. I'm understanding what you're saying. Yeah. So yeah. I've had experience of dating two uh, girls who were not really into creativity or, you know, like creating something like that. That doesn't mean no. they were not creative. They were both of them were really great in academia. Uh, I particularly remember one of them, I had a really great time with her and I never questioned that, you know, like why was she not into creating something and stuff like that. But the other one, because that was like maybe a recent one, like one and a half years ago, uh, she was particularly, so I, I remember asking myself like, how come she doesn't have anything to create? Like, how, mm. how do people do that? Like, how do people like, you know, like not create something. Sure. And I, I remember, you love this incident. I, I remember uh, going on a date once and uh, not even a date, but, you know, just meeting a friend that eventually dated. So I remember meeting her for the first time and uh, should I have said that? Anyway, <laughs> so uh, I remember, uh, you know, when we first met and uh, this is one of the classic questions that I usually ask is, uh, yeah. if you were to die tomorrow, what will you do today? You can do anything yeah. you to do today. What will you do? And she said, I, I just want a guitar, a mic and a stage and I, I want to sing till I die. I'm like, I need that. I want that. I need yeah. that fire. And mm -hmm. I've seen that, you know, particularly that, that, that kind of a fire definitely attracts me. So, mm. but then again, I'm, what I'm understanding from you is contextually, even if the person is not creating so much, but if you have other, a lot of shared values that can work out. Yeah. But I think what you said, 
like I can relate to that, like that fire, like mm. that conviction, that commitment. Like I think that is important. Like it's uh, like they know, like what they value. They know what they value is important. Like they know, like it's not like, yeah, whatever, you know, just blah blah blah. But it's like, <laughs> yeah, if you ask someone that question, it's like, oh, I would spend that time with with my family. I would do this. I definitely would do that. Like they know. They know what they value. Yeah. Like to me, that's what's really important. And and part of creativity too. Like the way I think about it is, like yeah, everyone can be creative. People are creative in different ways, and their strengths and creativity are different. Like some people are big picture thinkers and ideators and connectors, and some people they their creative contribution is kind of working out the details or making things more practical or making things more digestible or giving good feedback to kind of edit things right like so there's like creativity is never like it's not a lone like a lone wolf or lone genius thing like you need these different compliments right if you're just if you're just around people just like you like it it wouldn't work for me to to be married or dating someone just like me I don't think because it'd be it'd be too crazy uh not necessarily crazy but just, <laughs> yeah just, the relationship wouldn't work out necessarily um and so like you need like those compliments right so like my wife right now like she's the perfect compliment for me like her strengths creatively are kind of where i may overlook or i may need support in right and she, and she can help me refine those ideas or and vice versa like we can compliment each other and what we're doing to kind of create a bigger picture. And so even though like, if you asked her, hey, are you like a creative person? She'd probably be like, oh, I don't know, not really. I mean, she yeah. is, but it's just different, but it's just the way, like the stereotype of a creative may not necessarily fit on everybody, but everyone is creative in a certain way and they can- I, I, really, I really liked how you differentiated in our conversation that people, most of the people are creative, but it's about, are you creating something than, you know, what you are supposed to basically. Yeah. Yeah. And then another way to think of it too, like there was an interesting concept that like we explored in, in grad school a long time ago that I still think mm-hmm. is true. Like, and it kind of attaches it and can everyone be creative? So like there's different levels of creativity and, and types. So mm-hmm. like the, when you're talking about everyday creativity, like that is really just kind of, are you doing something that's meaningful, meaningful and authentic and something that you value, right? Every day, it's like, are you doing something that's pure like that? Kind of expressing yourself in some way, whether it's taking a new hiking path or exploring or writing something or trying a new recipe or singing in the shower, like something that's just kind of, everyday kind of just pure mm. expression like there's like an everyday is it meaningful to you is it something that you value and is meaningful to you authentically not something that you feel like you should be doing or someone's telling you to do but something exactly. hey i want to do this and explore that and then there's like other layers of creativity like uh like professional creativity which is maybe like you're a professional musician or you're an author or you marketer 
marketers or writer or whatever yeah. and that's what you do for your job and then there's that other level like the big c creativity where like what you did kind of changed the mm. domain like albert einstein or Jimi hendrix or someone like on that like someone that's like wow like this person really kind of innovated in this field they're you know they may be more famous or, or out there in their in their field but there's there's different levels of creativity that um people can achieve or just enact but everyone can do something creative every day and i think it's like it is a pathway to developing micro skills it's a pathway to meaning it's a pathway to fulfillment and flow is to kind of approach things that way and then also just kind of touching upon creativity as like a collaboration so yeah. a lot of times like if you're going to build a team, like, right, like you want, like, say you're building a band, right? Like you're not going to have 10 different guitar players. That'd be the worst band in the world, even if everyone was awesome, <laughs> right? Like you're going like to have a good guitar player and then you're like, I need someone that can play bass. And mm. I need someone that's really solid and really funky and has a good rhythm. But I don't necessarily want someone that's trying to solo all the time while I'm trying to solo because that's going to sound like a mess. So let me get someone with these skills that compliments me and we need a drummer and then a singer. So the same way for any kind of creativity, like if you're building something like, you may have certain strengths and weaknesses, but like how do you build around that to kind of put something out in the world that's better than you could do by yourself? It's another way to approach it. I never thought about it, but this sounds like an amazing, uh, you know, spiritual anecdote like why we are here or why universe has like 51 and why we are 49 but yeah. that sounds like a really good anecdote to that thank yeah. you for sharing yeah uh, uh, so uh, before you uh, uh, we had on our, our podcast interview uh, jennifer and she's a life coach and a comedian and she mentioned how spirituality is one of her checklist a part of her checklist uh, in a dating world. Oh, cool. So do you think creativity or being a creator, something comes in that checklist for you or it may come in that checklist? Um, in other words, yeah. would, you, would you be checking, you know, creativity as a, a yes or no threshold kind of thing for any potential date? Well, I, well, I'm married, so <laughs> I'm not, I'm not. I'm actually speaking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but um, but yeah, I mean, like for me, like, yeah, I mean, for me, like, it would be more of kind of that originality and kind of like they know what they know who they are, they're original and they know who they are. So, that to me, that's a form of creativity, um, like a personal creativity, and that's important. So, it's someone that is like, hey, you know, everyone else may be doing this, but I do this. Like, you know, most people like this and like that, but no, this is who I am, right? They're original, they're, they know who they are, they know what they want, they know what's important. And yeah, to me, that's, um, that's probably more important in, in a partner than like, are they creating something cool? Yeah. For me, I at understand. least. So uh, here's, uh, again, I know it, you cannot answer this with certainty, but I'm going to ask anyway. Yeah, uh, sure. <laughs> I'm going to assume that you have had a discussion with a lot of creative people or you are around a lot of creative people in circles of 
different creative people uh, mm-hmm. has uh, have you seen any connection between uh, or the ratio of how many creatives are actually spiritual persons yeah i think most creatives are spiritual in some way that's what i thought yeah that's what i thought and the second and the- question second part to it is uh, have you seen any gender ratio in it creativity no okay so you have seen like half half of both genders or multiple yeah. genders yeah 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 and this and this like one so yeah like on the spiritual thing like i think here's another yeah. thought um i'm sorry to interrupt again we'll oh yeah cover sure. you yeah, i'll give you full <laughs> space but when i think about you know uh, that most of the creative people are those people who do not fit in a box or do not like to fit in a box most of yeah. the creative people wouldn't be the ratio of lgbtq be more than normal gender norms or you know obviously not the ratio but the percentage is hmm. of it hmm i'm not sure i'm not sure i, I i'm i told you will not be sure but <laughs> that sounds <Yeah. laughs> like a good question to ask someone <laughs> i do yeah i do know one thing that so one thing there was one interesting kind of thing in so mike chick sent me had the author flow like he also had this has this other book on creativity that i actually okay. liked even i actually liked even better than flow mm-hmm. um that is not as popular but he interviewed all these world changing innovators and like one of the things he found was like there's like these paradoxes kind of these dialectics mm. like kind of on the extremes so they're not necessarily fixated or they're not necessarily like fixed personalities or or like hey I'm an, always an extrovert I'm always an introvert they're both or they're very disciplined but also very flexible and spontaneous or they're very assertive but also very humble and kind of you know just like like that so but one of the things one of the dialectics he found was like the gender stereotypes and norms was also blurred so traditionally you know it's not just like for example female creators they're not and this this was his research this was in the 90s so the last change since then but traditionally that traditional female stereotype or the qualities yeah. that are more feminine they were those were expressed equally in men as kind of the the masculine mm. energy and tendencies and then in women in both masculine and feminine kind of behaviors and tendencies and inclinations were also kind of fully expressed rather than just one or the other which would be more typical in kind of less kind of creative people. So there could be something there related to gender. Um I I don't focus on that too much when what I do, but in his research he like, he found some interesting things where yeah, I mean you could assume you could probably hypothesize that there's a more fuller expression or broader or yeah. diverse expression of creativity or whatever you want to call it. Um across across people yeah that that totally makes sense uh okay <laughs> yeah, uh, thank you so uh 
say something because you touched upon the creativity or uh, i don't know what you mentioned because so i just i'm writing down a couple of topics that how i do my interviews that whatever yeah. comes from my mind i just want to uh, be spontaneous and have a conversation and ask cool. uh, and i am actually looking to rename it instead of interviews i want to call it a conversation because i, I don't want to interview people i want to have a conversation yeah uh, but nonetheless uh, so uh, this creativity part do you feel the current education system we have again it differs a lot according to geography or anything but one sure thing is people have been bitching a lot about the academics or you know the education system around creativity yeah. so mm-hmm. uh, what do you see is like the easiest thing somebody can do to introduce creativity more in the education system like the easiest and the smallest thing to do yeah so one I don't know if they're being easy or small, but one shift. So a lot of education like is very, it focuses on like the presented problem. So your goal is to solve the problem. Here's the problem here, now go solve it, right? And so one shift would be to make it more of a problem finding kind of space Ah, where it's like, so problem finding, it's, it's actually, so again, like my, one of my mentors, Mike Chipsemiai, his research on creativity, like he found that problem finding, like people that were better at problem finding and seeing problems and seeing opportunities and defining those instead of just jumping into trying to solve a problem, those people were actually more creative. They, they came up with more creative ideas and projects and they had longer, more sustainable creative careers. So that problem finding skill is, I think is absolutely critical, but I don't think it's touched upon enough in education because it's, it's not efficient. It's not predictable. It's mm-hmm. not, you can't really necessarily do a standardized test around it. It's hard to measure. It's amorphous, it's ambiguous. Like it's, but, but it's such a key skill to develop if, you, if creativity is important. It's like, being able to identify problems or challenges or opportunities and not just solve them, right? So a lot of education is, here's a problem, how do you solve it? Okay, here's a question, what's the answer? But to do more, to get more creativity and to encourage creativity, it would look more like, what's the question? <laughs> you know, and it's like, yeah. it's kind of weird. It's like, I don't know, but it's, but then you think about it and you're like, yeah, what is the question? Huh? What am I curious about? What's what do I see in my life? What do I notice? And then it just leads to a more creative thought process. Yeah. But it is inefficient, it's unpredictable. So and some part of coaching is this only, you know, like actually finding what the problem yeah. of the client is. Because uh, a lot of times I have seen that the clients know the solutions, but they yeah. rather they probably don't know what the actual problem is. So the person might exactly. be uh struggling with losing weight uh, but then you see the problem is not that she is not you know working out or she is not eating well or stuff like that it's just that even at a blink of her stress she goes to eat something processed or you know something sweet yeah you agree and that goes back to the childhood and you know uh, <laughs> something like that so yeah I, I really feel I, I could relate to it that some part not all coaching obviously but a big part of coaching is actually finding what the real issue is. 
Yeah, I agree. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Like a lot of times, I don't know if you see it's some of your clients too, but a lot of times people will come and say, Hey, I just, if I just could do this, this, and this, then, you know, I need, that's what I need your help doing, right? Like, help me go to bed early. Help me do this. Help me do that. And then it's like, okay, well, wait, wait, wait a second. Like what's going on here? Like, why is this happening? Yeah. Like the problem finding is key, right? Like when you really find the right problem or opportunity and you define it properly, then that really sets the right direction and focus for what to do next versus always like, I have this problem. Okay, here's a solution. Let me just do that. Because a lot of times, yeah, a lot of times it is reframing that or re-looking at it or just adjusting it just slightly even to make it more impactful or meaningful. One of the uh, lessons I received, I, I'm not sure from which coach, maybe Rich Lutin or somebody else, that don't help your client or don't answer the questions of your client, but help them ask better questions to themselves. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, and the same frame shift, I again, a little off topic, but a same frame shift I feel there is about uh, people will always try to please people or you know, like you will always try to please someone, yeah. find better people to please. Mm. Yeah. So <laughs> that's something. <laughs> what, what do you yeah. think about that, by the way? Yeah, I think that's true. I think, I mean, that's another thing kind of with the education system kind of related to that is just, yeah, and just the way a lot of structures are set up. It is, you know, you're trying to please someone or approve, get the approval of someone or get the check mark from someone or get the pat on the back from someone, right? Or like you want your teacher to give you an A or your boss to say, great job, you know, like there is a lot of people get really caught up in seeking that. And that's their measure of success or progress or self-worth. But from a creativity standpoint, it's, you know, the opposite. It's like, you flip that, right? Like, what's, no, now what do you really, what do you want? Like, not what you should want or not what people say you should do, but no, let's, what do you want? Like, what do you really want? What's important to you? Like, you know, if no one else was around, like, what would you do? Like, how do you make, what you're doing actually meaningful to you, like something you want to do. And that's, that's tough. Like that kind of can go, it's kind of connected to problem finding as well as like reframing that into something that you want to pursue, not something that you should pursue or someone told you should do. Um, yeah, it's tricky. So it's, it's challenging. Here's a crazy thought I had. If I hadn't followed this marketing or coaching or anything, I'd be in the middle of my PhD at the moment. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> Studying genetics or something. <laughs> wow. I'm so glad I didn't do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, so uh, one thing I loved about whatever you put up online is it's so resourceful, particularly for me because I'm somebody who likes to express creatively and everything around that. Uh, one thing you mentioned in your Instagram bio is that uh, you help creative leaders get out of a stuck feeling. Yeah. I, I might have changed a few words. But uh, tell me a little about that. Uh, because obviously I've been there. I have seen so many people struggling with that. Uh, number one, why do some people get stuck in creativity? It's supposed to be a flow. 
and yeah. number <laughs> number 2 if you ask us and you want to flow what to do yeah i mean yeah i mean generally yeah when people come to me or people i work with they feel stuck in some capacity like they're they're here they're trying to get to here and the pathway is blocked they it's unclear there's Visited too many the pathways there's you know other stuff going on um yeah. so like people get stuck one like one of the most common things i see is that people get overwhelmed with just too many possibilities like i could do this way i could do this or here's another thing that would be fun i would totally understand and it's like oh my god which one's the right way and how do i know like you know it's not a clear thing like you don't know like you don't know which is going to be the right way you don't know what's going to work or what's not going to work you you got to pick something and you, do you think it's going to work and but something else is going to come along that you didn't even predict would happen and then that's going to throw you off and so that's one thing is just kind of that overwhelmed feeling of too many possibilities another one is more just about like their their vision or their their goals aren't clear enough or they're not actionable enough they're too big and so they don't know where to start like there's too many things to do with their grand vision and their like they're maybe focused in the direction but they haven't broken it down into mm milestones or steps or smaller pieces or projects or or habits and so yeah to get more into flow like you'd break down those huge goals into habits actions milestones phases things that are more concrete that you can achieve yeah. and know that you're getting closer to so that's one thing and then too like it's um or a third thing is people need to develop different skills they're stuck right like they may be like for example if it's like a leader of a team like say like a small startup and they started off doing the work and now and they're really great at it but now they're trying to manage people and lead people like those are different skills that they need to learn to kind of bring those things to life and get unstuck so there's people and for like creative example like people being averse to selling and marketing mm. they're not achieving their goals because they need to learn those skills right like they yeah they're stuck because they need to get better at marketing and selling they need to develop those skills in order to get from here to yep. here and then like another kind of thing is just is more like mindset psychological is i'm not confident i feel like i'm an imposter i feel or selling is a scam anxious yeah or yeah or the limiting beliefs around things and so yeah. they need to really examine those so there's a, a few different elements to keep people stuck a lot of times it's a combination of all of them yeah yeah for, for some people it's more one or the other thing so uh, what do you think what's the uh, step one that you see obviously again it depends a lot on different contexts and everything but what's the one step you have seen recommending people again and again as as the step one of getting out of creative block yeah so the first step i think to me like probably one of the most common things i share kind of encourage people to really re- reflect on is hey you know this feeling of stuck being stuck 
like that's a good sign like you're in a good place because you're it's just you're you're trying to do something that you haven't done before it's you're doing something creative like if you didn't feel stuck if you didn't feel overwhelmed or if you didn't feel like an imposter or anxious yeah. or doubting yourself you're then that would be worse because that would mean you're just kind of complacent and you're just going along and you know that could be fine too for people but the way i view life like that's worse than being overwhelmed or being stuck or feeling like an imposter those things are actually that's a positive indicator for you that you're on the right track and you just you just you have to figure it out right and you have to get out of your comfort zone um and learn new skills and adjust your mindsets and, and grow so that's one thing it's just kind of a subtle reframe like if you are feeling stuck and overwhelmed, it's actually a good thing. And then another thing, a related big one. That's yeah. a big one. I really like it. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Another thing is like adopting that growth mindset of, hey, if you're not, if you don't feel out of your comfort zone, then you're not doing anything creative or you're not growing, right? Like if you're not scared to record an Instagram video or you're not scared to present to somebody or you're not scared to write a song or play an open mic or write a book or write a blog post, then you're not, you're not on the right path or you're not taking the right approach. Like it's too easy for you or it's too much like something else, right? Like you're doing something creative, you're doing something really authentic and you're trying to grow every time, no matter like what level you're at, you're going to feel like, oh my gosh, can I do this? Like, are people, what are people going to say? Like, can I? I needed to hear this. Yeah, I was like, can I, like, I don't want to feel like this, but it's actually a good thing. Like, it's, and there's a fine line too. Like, you can get overly anxious. Like, there's that flow model where if the challenge is too high, then you just get anxious and yeah. paralyzed. But you do need that level of challenge where you feel like you want to have that a little bit of a doubt, like, can I actually pull this off or not? Like, you yeah. don't want to, you don't want to do something where, you know, hundred percent, I'm going to make this happen exactly how I want to do it. Then it's too easy, right? Like one thing that I, and so I have, yeah. So that, that discomfort, that feeling like just a little bit of a I, I needed to hear that. I needed to hear that. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah, no. Okay, so yeah. uh, here's a related topic that I, uh, something new that I learned, I guess. Uh, somebody shared it. Yeah, so it was Sandeep Kocha. He's an amazing storyteller. He only writes on LinkedIn. He's an entrepreneur and he has been writing like one or two short stories. Short stories as in, uh, not fictional, but his experience or somebody else's experience uh, for the last two, three years on LinkedIn. And he has like, 600,000 followers there. So I attended as one of his workshops and he mentioned somebody else that uh, you feel like you are stuck in present. I've never heard that term. I I, I always thought that, you know, you are usually stuck in past. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Interesting. And then then he explained it to me that, uh, not, not to me, but obviously to everyone in the workshop that uh, this person seems to be stuck in present which means if he's whatever he's having right now, he's too much involved in that. He's not mm. looking in the future. Mm. So likewise, you know, uh, what I've, why I related it to whatever you mentioned was, 
your creativity needs to level up regularly yeah. otherwise you'll be stuck in your present like for me if i yeah. don't make videos if i continue writing and coaching and all whatever i was doing in the last one year i prop i think i'll be in that zone where you know i'll be stuck in the present yeah that's true that's a good way to put it because yeah i mean and that's uh, another kind of research finding from flow as well as like flow is kind of a condition of your the challenge level and your skills and mm. so as you're going in your career your skills get better so if you stay at the same level of challenge you're going to get less mm. and less out of flow and more and more into boredom and complacency so as you get better at what you do like you always have to kind of seek out higher levels of challenge to get into that flow and unlock those higher levels of creativity and engagement and fulfillment. Um so yeah, like if you're stuck in the present, then you're going to miss out on those higher levels of creativity. Like you always your creativity is important to you and like it is. It's a kind of a double-edged thing is like you have to get uncomfortable all the time and it sucks. It's scary and it's like oh my god, this again like ah, oh, this anxiety, this fear, this doubt like again but then it turns into a good thing like when you overcome it and you grow and you develop and then you look back and you're like oh wow okay i, I did that now what's the next thing i can do so it is actually what i define what i talk a lot about uh, around this is that you need to have a balance in improvement and acceptance like you want yeah. to enjoy your creativity you really want to enjoy things that you are good at at the same time you know like try something new that you are not definitely good at so again depend totally depends on uh, who the person is in the context and the balance they want to create uh, for some people at certain point they would prefer more acceptance and less improvement and that's totally yeah. fine because a lot of improvement starts making you hate yourself oh yeah because i've been there for <laughs> yeah so many years i hated every single thing about me it was really a productive thing for me in the short run but it it burnt me out in the longer run mm in the short run i achieved in you know like 3 4 years what people achieve in like one or two decades mm-hmm. i finished reading 3 400 books i wrote millions and millions of words and people don't do that in a lifetime yeah but then i was totally burnt out i like yeah. i've been learning how to you know self accept for the last one and a half years so that's given me a really good insight into that you definitely need to balance it out again defining yeah. your own balance yeah. but uh, enjoying where you are at the same time willing to move a step forward i love that yeah i think that's important is yeah because you if you don't have that acceptance then yeah you just kind of hate yourself and then you burn out and then you can get derailed and you can stop you can find yourself away from what gives you fulfillment brings you joy and engagement for for too long if you don't have that acceptance and and that's key is just like yeah being okay with where you're at and appreciating what you did and how you did it and but also balancing out with okay you know like how do i what do i want to do next like how do i develop my skills more what do i want to learn what do i want to pursue that i'm curious about like what's something new i can try i think that is yeah that's important to you if creativity is important to you here's something that i have 
observed recently in the last i don't know few months uh it's really really common for people to not appreciate them yeah i'll go on an extent and say i have seen almost everyone doing it like not appreciating what they have done yeah and that single shift when you start appreciating yourself i have seen it changing a lot of things uh, but mm-hmm. com- coming back to the uh, one question i had and i think we discussed it nahi like, no no we didn't discuss it yet but i wanted to ask you is about parenting part so it's been 2 years since you are a parent yeah two and a half years yeah two and a half years how is it going for you <laughs> It's good. I love it. Yeah, I love it. It is it is yeah. I mean it's fun. It's a challenge. It's unpredictable. It's it is. It's like another way to kind of be creative in some ways or see like an expression of creativity and just kind of learn these micro skills that are helpful for if you're doing creative yeah. work. It is like yeah, you come up with plans and structures, but <laughs> almost all the time they don't go that way. <laughs> right like something weird happens you know there's a, a blowout or they skip their nap now you know like you have to adjust like you you plan you do the best you can you kind of set goals but then unexpected things happen you have to adapt you have to keep going you learn you're you're in the stay present but also future focused um yeah and then it's just cool to see the little guys development and learning like they're what they're curious about and how that translates into yeah their own expression and learning and creativity and what they like and what they don't like and what they're drawn to so it's really cool it's, it's kind of it's fun to kind of mentor and introduce new things to them like different music or instruments or toys and this yeah, yeah that's awesome. have you watched big bang theory uh a little bit i'm not super familiar with it. i know what it is but i haven't watched i watched so, it for a long time a little bit of spoiler alert <laughs> so uh the sheldon cooper main character is a bunch of nerdy scientists so yeah. uh his girlfriend kind of uh inspired or manipulated him to play with kids and you know like uh, his friends kids uh and the way he sees them is like little experiment subjects yeah so, <laughs> that's funny <laughs> what i was going to, why i mentioned all of this is ha, have you been seeing your son as an experiment subject because <laughs> you've been through that curriculum where you have had subjects in your you know uh, research yeah. and studies yeah i wouldn't say he's my experiment subject i would say <laughs> the experiment the experiment is just an ongoing relationship and parenting so it's like yeah we have these theories we think you'll like this we'll think if we do this then this will happen and so you're always testing that and you're always yeah. just kind of being a researcher and being curious and exploring like what it is that your kid likes and loves and what they don't like and how to help them learn most effectively and and yeah i mean it's, it is kind of like and, a science experiment uh, up to what age the reverse psychology will work is that right yeah oh man yeah they get they get their attitudes and their personalities and opinions quick so it is yeah i mean it's just this is it's a ongoing experiment it's, it's so much fun and it is 
what yeah, something I mean, you didn't expect before becoming a parent that you know like you'll be doing this what's that something um hmm something i didn't expect well for one one thing didn't expect like well, this whole past year the pandemic and everyone being home oh, didn't expect that yeah. that was crazy <laughs> so that was that was what would wild. you have been doing professionally if it was not pandemic um what do you mean like uh, were you working a full time job or were you like all oh yeah 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 so yeah i mean i i've been coaching for probably like the past 5 or 6 years but i also had an internal kind of coaching leader development oh. training job so i was doing that beginning of last year and coaching was kind of like hmm. my side hustle or my side practice that i do in addition um but yeah so i mean yeah with the pandemic like wasn't expecting to yeah, to for everyone to be home 24/7 and so that was crazy um trying to learn how to juggle that and you know coach and do work and take care of him and teach him and everything like that that was you know but that was a good lesson is just yeah i mean so, you come up with these good plans and things go crazy and you have to adapt and just keep going anyways i i really love that attitude and <laughs> again i have zero experience in parenting and hopefully i won't have any in the next few years but <laughs> let's yeah. see where that goes uh totally forgot what i was going to ask i was going to ask something really good <laughs> but <laughs> i blanked out anyway coming back to uh yeah i got it because it was something important i wanted to ask in india or i assume in most of the asian countries uh especially where the traditions are close or you know big families kind of uh, upbringing and all that uh we have seen i have personally seen a lot of parents throwing their unfulfilled aspirations onto their kids hmm Well, how how do you, how do you deal with that being a parent yeah sure yeah i mean i think that's that's an interesting observation and i think yeah there's i think it's kind of true i think it's something i'm i'm mindful of too like i i'm a musician and so i throw a lot of music at him and a lot of musical <laughs> but, <laughs> but i but it's at the same time like for me though like my approach is Listen, I want him yeah, creativity is important to me and I think it would be important to him too. And so I, like my my goals are really to He signed up for that. It's not your yeah. fault. He signed up for that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the universe put him there and that's just the situation. But uh but for me like it's a uh, like my focus is to like fuel his curiosity and encourage that. So whatever he's interested in, if it's a pure interest like i want to encourage that i want him to go deep into that as much as he wants to whether it's sports or music or art or playing or mm-hmm. whatever kind of thing like i want him to know that that's good like his own curiosity and his own motivation is what's most important so it's not just about 
yeah. what I want him to do or what someone else wants him to do. But always asking him like, how do you like that? Like, how did that make you feel? Like sometimes you build something like you like it. And I'm like, well, do you like it? <laughs> instead of so instead of like trying to get that approval, like I want him to know himself. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, I, I do like it. Or oh no, I don't like it. It's kind of weird or whatever. So I'm, like that's my approach is to really like kind of foster's curiosity, but also just expose him to a lot of different outlets for creativity or fulfillment or his own yeah. authentic pursuit too, right? It's not like you're going to be a guitar player. I was a guitar player. You're going to do this. If not, or you're going to be a doctor, you're going to be a lawyer. You know, I'm not, nothing like that. But because, I mean, I have the belief that like you can be successful and happy doing whatever you want, whatever you want to do. It may be really hard. Yeah, you may have to learn a lot and overcome a lot of obstacles, but there's people living really successful lives doing the weirdest stuff. And it's like, but and there's they got there because they were curious and committed and dedicated to yeah. learning and things like that. And so yeah, for my parenting approach, it's really about fostering that curiosity and creativity. So I kind of have like four things. And my wife made up like a saying too. Like for me, it's like fostering curiosity, creativity, compassion, and courage. So yeah. whatever he's doing. If he's kind of leaning into one of those things, then that's great, you know, and I want it to be authentic. And my wife, like she created the saying that I think is really beautiful too, is, is uh, like, I'm kind, I'm courageous and I'm loved. So just kind of knowing like he's, yeah, like he's loving the people, he's kind to people, he helps people. He's, whatever he does, like he's loved, like it's, he doesn't need, to seek out that approval or external validation. Like he's loved whatever he does and just to kind of be courageous. And because it, it does take courage to be authentic and to follow your creativity. That's really beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Oh. Uh, so something I mentioned, you know, like he signed up for being a creative person. Like he cannot <laughs> not be a creative person. And yeah. it comes, so like for me, <laughs> even my extended families most of the people are uh, like shop, shop owners like uh, you know we have our own stores and yeah. so business is kind of in my DNA I, I tried becoming a scientist I couldn't I, I just couldn't so if you ask me you know like what is the let's say 15% of 890 I, yeah. I could give it to you like it is probably 90 plus whatever something around 130 extra so I could do mathematic calculations really that far and it, it's like it's something DNA with DNA. So yeah. I could not not be a business person. Or even yeah. if I would be a scientist, I know I, I'd still have good marketing or sales skills. It, it, it's yeah. inherent. Uh, and whatever you mentioned it, in my head from a distance, it sounds like there's a constant struggle between uh, nudging them in a direction you think is best for them. At the same time, help having them explore things on their own. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's um, a balance. So like, yeah, because I mean, there's there's just so many things that they don't know that they don't know, right? And so yeah. you got to expose them to things, you know, because maybe they really like that or maybe, you know, you, they, you expose them to something and 
there's going to be some learning of it. This is going to be some benefit. Like, I like this. I don't like this. Oh, I like this part of it, but I don't like this part. Like, it's, but I think it's important to expand kind of the set of possibilities on an early age. So people can make that choice, that authentic choice, because there may be, if you're just presented with two options all your life, like, hey, you can be an accountant or you can be a doctor. Then like, even if they don't feel yeah. right, you don't know what else there is, or you, you, don't, you don't have anything to compare it to. But if you have a wider set of possibilities that you've been exposed to, you can say, oh, I like this about that. I like this here. Oh, this thing, I really like this, uh, don't like that. And then you can also be more creative too. Like you can combine those things into your own original pathway if you'd like, or, you know, you can just be like, oh, I really love this path of being a coach. That That's who I am. Yeah. That's it. That's me. Or it could be like, I like coaching. I like data. I like biology. And now you're like some weird... Yeah, we, we are comfortable. <laughs> but, it's, but it could be super cool. Could be. So one, one. Uh, so you know, like again, it's uh, again about what did I learn from being a biotechnologist? Is yeah. I could have a good memory and visualization. Like you can yeah. actually see physics. Like this magnet is repelling this magnet. So you know, this mm. is what experiment is about. In biology, most of the things are in my head only. Like I need to visualize a cell and see. You know, like. There is mitochondria, there is ribosome yeah. and all that stuff. And be super microscopic in my approach. That you know what, yeah. what if we add more protein to our body, this cell will go this way or this cycle will erupt. And yeah. that. Mm-hmm. So probably using the skills from one occupation to the yeah, other. Likewise, cool. I probably skipped a few steps when I became a coach because I already had a decent yeah. enough marketing experience. Yep. I didn't struggle with that. Yeah, uh, but I I want to mention one thing that that you kind of reassured, or at least that's what I heard from your whole conversation around the parenting part. That parenting is probably doing the best you can do at the very moment. Sure. Oh yeah, yeah. It's doing the best you can at the moment, but it's also yeah. I mean, it's it's about being in the moment, but also kind of being deliberate, trying to be purposeful, intentional, right? Totally. Kind of help them. I give them opportunities to kind of be their best yeah. version of themselves. I, I invited, uh, you know, my therapist on this uh, podcast interview like a few weeks back, a few months back now. Time flies so fast. So uh, she mentioned, I asked her, you know, like uh, I've been working on this as a coach for 15, 16 months. I worked with, I don't know, two, three, four hundred people. And one pattern I see is everybody is messed up. And some way or the other, they blame their parents. Like yeah. how, you know, like let's say I become a parent in the decade to come or I don't know, in the future year. How yeah. do I not mess up my kids? Like, so what do I do? Yeah, scary. And scary, yeah. <laughs> she, mentioned, scary. Uh, she mentioned that Dipanshu, everybody is going to mess up their kids. <laughs> yeah. Best you can offer is uh, be, you know, like offer them a safe space and access to therapy. <laughs> yeah. that's funny that's really funny (laughs) yeah that i mean that's the scary thing is like yeah what am i doing you may have good intentions but maybe there's one day you say something a little bit differently that sticks in their mind and it's like 
maybe they mishear you or maybe you're just having a bad day and you say something. Yeah. Who knows? Like so, something can stay. So yeah, I mean, it's about doing the best you can. I think it is, I think that's very healthy too, to encourage your kids to seek out therapy or coaching and just yeah so like, <laughs> uh, uh, coach tony said a really funny thing I, I don't know if it was in an interview or in some of the meeting uh, he mentioned that i i was actually kind of maybe the topic of discussion was this only and he mentioned that uh, you are a parent and one day you forgot to bring candy for your kid and there goes two years of therapy <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely. yeah so it's interesting how you are being uh, curious as a researcher yeah. in parenting. Yeah, and but I think, I think that too, like the parenting, like I think it is like that, if you can give your kids some meta skills, like hmm. this problem finding skill or being able to really be confident about their own wants and interests and curiosities and thinking and thought processing, like if you can give people, if you, I don't know if I'm, going to be able to do it 100% or not but like if you can give people that sense of inner confidence and inner direction and knowing that they can figure things out and knowing that they can overcome yeah. problems and have that resilience I think that's really important for parenting and that's and one of the important things I received in my upbringing so we were a joint family up until I turned maybe I don't know 10 or something so in my first six, seven, eight years of life, I grew up with 20 adults in the family. <laughs> Not 20, maybe 10, 15, something. So every, I was the first kid in the whole family. So everybody was praising oh. me. I was showered <laughs> so much love. And I see people in that environment grow up to be really confident. I've been yeah. really confident in my life. Yeah. So I totally understand what you've mentioned. Uh, good stuff. I, I was just curious about parenting. I'm not even sure if I want to be or when I want to be, but yeah, really good to see how other people are struggling with stuff. But yeah. <laughs> uh, here's something that I figured from the last two hours of conversation we had, how many of those points we discussed are actually 4951, you know, contributions or collaborations? Parenting, mm -hmm. I believe, is that way. Like, at least in the formative years, you want to be the 51% parent, right? Or 51% collaborator. You want your mm -hmm. kid to express it, express themselves, but at the same time, you want to have like 1% extra hat because you have seen the world the way they haven't yet, right? Yeah. And the way coaching is work, coaching works, like again, 51, 49, probably. How spirituality works, how creative collaborations work. And mm -hmm. yeah, I haven't really heard that 5149 concept anywhere. It was a different 5149 somewhere else. But so I yeah. related it. Uh, something I might write something about. <laughs> yeah, I think that's cool. Yeah, I think that is cool. I mean, I think, yeah, that's interesting to think about. I have to think about that a little more. But yeah, there is, yeah, there's just kind of that theme of control versus Acceptance, kind of, yeah. Acceptance, yeah. Control and surrender. I, I like that. I like that pairing. Like, it's seemingly paradoxical, right? Like, I want to control <laughs> everything as, yeah. as much as I can, but then I also want to surrender as much as I can. Like, it's 
it is a paradox, but it is true. I mean, that's like the the mindset of creativity or or parenting or doing a lot that, of that's the made uh, that the underlying uh, paradox in manifestation. Yeah. In law of attraction and everything, you want to attract certain things, but at the same time, you want to allow universe to create things for you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. I think that's a nice way to look at it. But and it's it's hard because I mean you can't just you're not going to reap the maximum benefits or have the best experience if you're too too much trying to control or too much mm. surrendered. Like you need both, and they both need to be intense. And I really like one uh, saying about this. I've read it recently. Uh, somewhere instagram maybe uh that it's not that universe is not giving you what you want but uh universe has a funny habit of being weird with timeline yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i've definitely seen that yeah definitely yeah i mean that's yeah i think that's true definitely true <laughs> talk to me a little about your uh, signature coaching program like what's the one thing you help people with yeah so i help creative entrepreneurs and leaders bring their biggest ideas to life and so that program really it looks at things from multiple perspectives we we do touch upon kind of mindset like around this control, surrender. I haven't used that phrase explicitly, but I think I'm gonna start using yeah. that now because I like that. But it's, yeah, it's like, how do you look at creative work and the paradoxes and the difficulties and how it's different from kind of just problem solving and linear work. Um, look at our systems and habits that support consistently creating and building that momentum. So a key word that I use a lot is momentum. And really, like that sense of momentum, that consistent progress, that's the best feeling for a creative person in the world. And the worst feeling is usually just yeah. being stuck or being inconsistent. You're not getting your ideas out there to that level. So we work on building momentum by kind of dissecting your habits, your, your mindsets, the systems you use, how you prioritize. Um, and then a lot of times too, like we get into this problem finding kind of getting clear on what matters most and what's most meaningful. So that's kind of deeper, more introspective. Other parts are more practical and about systems and habits. Then we have the psychology and mindset aspect and, and then like how they all fit together. So, yeah. yeah. So, uh, uh, okay, one thing, whoever is watching and listening, I'm going to put Jeff's uh, link in the description. You can check out his program. Uh, I really, really admire the work he's doing. One thing I want to know, and I know that uh, you have posted a lot on Instagram around this. I love this topic. Uh, what are the tools you usually recommend to creative people that you think, you know, like they are easy to use, not much time taking, not, uh, you don't need a lot of technical skills to use them, but just if you use those few tools, they will help you so much in your creative work. Yeah, so one is just breaking things down to smaller and smaller pieces until they get really clear and specific. And so you know how to start them and you know 
kind of how you're making progress, right? So the, the, the same I, thing with the micro skills, if I'm not wrong. Similar to that, similar to that, but it, this may be more task oriented. Uh, you can you can apply the lens of the skills as well, but but yeah. So an example, like if you're trying to write a book, that's a huge goal. Like it's overwhelming oh, yeah. to think of. Oh my god, break it down. Okay, how many chapters? What do you you know? What are these different pieces? You have to write about a character. Okay, maybe the first step is just okay. I'm gonna write a bio of the main character, and that's something I can do. And then I know how to get started on that. I'm gonna write his origin story or whatever it might be. And then I yep. know it's gonna have these elements in it. Okay, I know what I'm doing. I know if I'm achieving it or not, boom, okay. So you've broken down that writing a book into, let me just write about, let me write a bio of the main character. So breaking that down into small pieces and being able to do that over and over again, kind of the next steps, that helps you with the momentum making progress and so instead of having something being so big and amorphous and complex like you're pulling yeah. things out each day each week you're doing something more specific so that's one uh thing that it's kind of a process uh, framework that you can do and then another thing is um let's see so yeah that's kind of a key thing but also i would approach things from kind of like a, a flow perspective as well as just sure. creating, creating the space where you're not distracted, protecting that time, like an hour and 90 minutes to just focus on that one thing, right? So mm. having those deep work sessions is critical, right? Instead of just running around 30 minute blocks here and there and there, like you need to protect some time for that focus to allow yourself to get into flow. I feel guilty. But yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So those are two things. And then I just so, always uh, ask too, like, how do you make it more fun or enjoyable? Because that's important. Because hmm. if you if you're just if you're not experiencing that fun and enjoyment, like part of the creative process is painful. Like there's gonna be pain involved with it. You're gonna feel subpar, you're just gonna feel hard, you're gonna feel not good enough. So if you go too long without enjoying it or having fun there's a good chance you're gonna just derail and get off it. So you gotta build some of that in somehow. Got it. And uh, an extension to what I asked is, what are the some online tools, technical? Oh, online tools. Yeah, you know, what are those uh, yeah. online tools that people can use? Yeah, so my, creativity? yeah. my favorites are Trello. I use that to kind of organize my big projects and ideas and, and there's a lot of things you can do with that. Yeah, I'm happy yeah. to share more people connect with me on that. So I love Trello and I also love Toggle, T-O-G-G-L. Uh, so it's kind of like, one? yeah. And there's some ways you can use that to really get mindful with how you're spending your time and attention. And for mm. some reason too, like adding a timer to certain things, like it makes things more like a game. It makes things more of a challenge where you're trying to beat the shot clock and you're trying to focus. And it's a really simple kind of hack, but it, it can really elevate people's focus and intensity in their work too. I'm gonna try that. I feel that's yeah. something I wanna try, like immediately. Yeah. Uh, have you tried Notion? I fell in like love with it. Oh I yeah, to, Notion's awesome. I used to do Trello, awesome. but then I tried Notion. I was like, I, I Yeah, 
Notion's so cool. Yeah, I think if I were to start over today, I would use Notion. I just have all my stuff in Trello already and haven't oh, taken yeah. the time to integrate it. I know you can integrate things like that, but yeah, a lot of my clients love Notion and I think it's awesome. I definitely would recommend Notion. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing all of this. This was super fun conversation. Yeah, but before ending time. this, would there be anything that you think we would have missed or you would want to say something? Uh, no, we covered a lot of good stuff. It was a really yeah. interesting, fun conversation. Yes, really uh, cool questions that I wasn't thinking about or expecting. So uh, thank you for helping challenge me and get me out of my comfort zone and keep me on my toes and giving me some new ideas. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I would just encourage people out there to, yeah, just kind of embrace feeling stuck, embrace feeling overwhelmed as a positive sign. Use it as an indicator that which, where you're, the direction you're trying to go is a good direction for you, right? But you may want to reach out and get some tips, get some coaching, take some courses, or just yeah. find accountability from other peers. But just take those steps, try to break things out, take, take it small at a time, build that momentum. And then as you're building that momentum, your creative confidence is going to grow and grow and grow and grow. And yeah, it's not just about achieving external success or milestones, but creativity is just that pathway to a meaningful, fulfilling life, right? It's something that no one can take away from you. Um, it's something you can always feel engaged, uh, purposeful, uh, intentional, fulfilled, if it's, a, yeah. if it's something you can master. So yeah, that's what I just would leave people with. And um, yeah, thanks again for your time today. It was really awesome chatting with you. You're most welcome. And uh... I want to just take one moment and uh, mention this once again. This is a really big mental shift. You know, instead of feeling overwhelmed and negative about staying stuck or being stuck, it's it's a great mindset shift to, you know, uh, feel gratitude for it, that it's an indicator. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much. And thank you so much for showing up. It was such a wonderful, amazing, intense conversation. I love I enjoyed it and let's see if we can do this maybe a few months later. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to. So thank you so much whoever is watching, listening. Thank you so much for being a part of it. Uh, and we'll see you in the next interview. Bye-bye. Yeah.